Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by John Chapman of the 49ers Rush podcast. He is one of the best draft breakdown guys on Twitter. He's going to tell us what the Niners are going to do at number three, what they're going to do with Jimmy G, and what that ultimately means for the Patriots in their quest to find a new starting quarterback. We are joined, as always, with Keegan as well during our draft coverage. And so it's going to be one heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Right, so we are extremely happy to welcome onto the show John Chapman. He is the host of the 49ers Rush podcast. Good friend of the show. Matter of fact, John has been coming on my podcast since they were the Weekend Warrior podcast like years ago. Uh, good guy. Great guy. We love having him on. Super insightful. And uh, John, welcome to the show, man. Man, I, I really appreciate it, Pat. I, I think we go back, is it three, four, or five years ago? I I tried looking back through some emails, and I yeah. was like, how many times have we kind of done this annually? And, uh, man, just absolute honor to be here, uh, fun to talk some football, and I'm going to try really hard not to get upset this time. Yeah. yeah we I haven't talked it. to you. I think the last time we talked to you was uh, prior to the, the Niners game a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe no. so. And, um, yeah, that one – we we did we had a couple good years there and then it got really bad last year. We won't talk about that one. Uh, we'll just we'll just skip over that one. I believe I believe John that last year the the first time I had you on uh, was Weekend Warrior Pod and we did a we did a full mock draft together. And I don't know if it was three or four years ago, but uh, we and the we got every single pick wrong. <laughs> Every single one we got wrong. Baby, that's right. Although I will say we did get – it was the Josh Allen draft. So was that 18, 2018? Yeah, that's right. We we did get Josh Allen to the Bills. We just had him at 12 instead of at 7. So that one kind of counts. But but 1 through 32, completely wrong. It was unbelievable. Well, well, this year we don't have to worry about that with the first two picks. I think we can try. Maybe even the three. Uh, And it's actually ironic. We have you on at a good time, right? Because your Niners now are up at three. Um, bunch of smoke, bunch of, you know, w- which way are they going? I guess let's get your initial thoughts, right? Cause I think, um, this relates to the Patriots a little bit too, right? Cause there's another team in front of them now that, that is drafting a quarterback. 
obviously the Jimmy Garoppolo news. What, what can we read into that? So I think there's a lot of correlation between the two teams, despite being, you know, across the country and in two separate divisions. Uh, what's your thought? Is it Mac Jones at three? I mean, Schefter went out today and said, you know, he'd be, he would be shocked if it wasn't. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to get your take because obviously you cover the team and do a lot for the Niners. So I think, you know, your, your, uh, your opinion on this holds a lot of weight. So the, the one thing that I think you have to start with the context of the situation, no matter what has happened with this new front office, when Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch have shown up, nobody has had a damn clue. When we traded for Jimmy, nobody knew about it. When we hired John Lynch, nobody knew about it. When we traded up to three, not one mention. Nobody has nailed what the 49ers are doing or what their plans are. They don't leak. In fact, if you go back to when John Lynch was hired, he let out. He told everybody in the organization that was involved in the hiring process he's going to accept the job. But he said, I'm going to wait three days. And if this catches wind in the national media or any way, way, shape, or form, I'm out. He wanted to make sure there were no leaks. Well, since this has taken place, there, there's been absolutely nothing from inside the organization. So all of this information that is out there came by <laughs> by one of my least – I'm a Longhorn uh, from Texas. Uh, one of my least favorite Longhorns ever, Chris Sims. Um, and so <laughs> he was Kyle Shanahan's roommate in college, whatever else. He leaked out that he thought the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan would like the most would be Mac Jones. And after that, snowball, whatever – it's just taken on a, a, a thing of its own. Now, is there a possibility the 49ers take Mac Jones? Yes, 100%. Is that coming from inside the 49ers organization? Hell no. It's all conjecture, and it's just people piling on top of each other that are not based in the 49ers. So me personally, I am a big no on Mac Jones. Um, I, I do not think – I do have a first-round grade on him. Um, but he's my last first round grade that I have in this draft. And so I think he's a great quarterback. I really, really do. But at pick three, I don't think you trade three first round picks to go get Mac Jones. And, and not to uh, Keegan, I know you want to get a word in same with you, Pat, but I just, I don't want to forget it. Uh, when you look at the type of quarterback Shanahan's had a lot of success with, right? Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, he had an MVP year. And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, say what you want, you know, can't stay on the field. Took him to a Super Bowl two years ago. Mac Jones, certainly, you know, I, I think probably his ceiling is a little bit closer to Matt Ryan. I think when you group those four, they're all they're all similar in, in, in some ways, right? So I, I think that has something to do with it too. But do you think Mac Jones is the type of quarterback that, that Shanahan likes, right? Or is it, I, I think that's probably somewhere the comparison and where this kind of smoke is coming from too. It makes sense, and I think it lacks imagination. So if you look at those quarterbacks in which you mentioned, um, one, he got Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah, going all out for him. Yep. He didn't pick Matt Ryan. That's where he got signed to be an offensive coordinator. He came to the fourth round. He didn't even pick Jimmy Garoppolo. He, didn't pick, he wanted Kirk Cousins, um, and John Lynch did the trade, uh, the second-round pick for him before – Kyle Shanahan even knew what was going on. And Kyle Shanahan even came on and said whenever they told him, look, we're trading a second for Jimmy Garoppolo, the very first reaction he had was, damn, this means I'm not getting Kirk Cousins. So would he pick Mac Jones? I, I think that is a – yeah, for sure he would. Would he trade three first-round picks for somebody that just because he has similar play styles to those other quarterbacks, which I would put – you know, he is similar to Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's anywhere close to Matt Ryan. 
um, his ceiling. I don't the arm talent just is not there. Um, so th- it does. I get it. The puzzle pieces that he has had in the past, this fits that MO, but I don't think you can just relegate it to that. Why trade up three first round picks for a guy that is exactly like yeah. what you have right now in Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, that, that's where the question comes to for me. Yeah, and I, I know pretty much everybody on NFL Twitter has kind of been like, Mac Jones, really? So we've established that you're not a Mac Jones guy. Um, and we were talking you know, before we went on about how you like Trey Lance and you like Justin Fields. So I wanted to know if you could rank those two. I assume those are the top two for you and in terms of realistic prospects. How would you rank those two? Yeah, so me personally, my own draft rankings, I have Trey Lance ranked ahead of Justin Fields. I have him in the exact same tier. So it's not like I prefer Trey Lance. I, I would like Trey Lance, but it's not like, oh, Justin Fields is trash. Absolutely not. If the 49ers get either one of these guys, it's an absolute home run. Watch out, NFC West. I, I mean, it's Kyle Shanahan with one of those guys is going to be unbelievable. I prefer Trey Lance for several reasons. One, he's the youngest. The film that we have on him, he was 18, 19 years old. We don't have any 20-year-old film on Trey Lance. Two, he ran the most complex offense of any draft-eligible quarterback. If you watch the Bison of North Dakota play, it is the 49ers at the college level. Fullback, double tight end, double motions, jet sweeps. Um, and he operated that, took the most snaps under center of any of these draft-eligible quarterbacks. And then two, strongest arm, best runner, and guess what? Doesn't turn the ball over at all. Like, it just makes so much damn sense. The potential is through the roof. Called all of his own protections and audibles at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if you watch, you know, Trevor Lawrence or if you watch Justin Fields, every single time they get to the line of scrimmage, they stop, they turn, they look to the coaches at the sideline, they wait for them, then they signal in the call. Nope. Trey Lance does all of that on his own at 18 years old. Um, so the jump, while I do understand it is a, a legit criticism to say, oh, but the playing competition wasn't that high, that's a legit criticism. It should also be a criticism for Zach Wilson. And you look at what Zach Wilson did against Power 5 teams, the dude went 2-3 and three for his career um, and had more interceptions than he did touchdowns during those games. So I think that's a legitimate concern, but the NFL has seen recently players jump Josh Allen from Wyoming. They were trash before and afterwards. Um, you talk about Carson Wentz and what he's been through now, but his rookie year, you remember the Eagles were able to trade away Sam Bradford just because Carson Wentz adapted so quick to the game, they were fine with him starting week one. And the reason why is that offense uh, at North Dakota State, it just translates very well to the NFL. No, it's true. And that's it's funny because, yeah, everyone talks about he's not pro-ready, he's not pro-ready, and it's like, well, why not? Like, Film we, does know, not say that. And that's the thing, you know? And yes, he didn't play last year, but still, you know, Jamie Newman didn't play last year, and he, he really showed it, right? But Lance, when he played, didn't really show that he was super rusty and didn't know what was going on, you know? And so I think it is a little bit of a misnomer. People talk, I mean, shoot, we're Patriots fans. We know about the jump, right? Kyle Duggar went from D2 oh. safety to, you know, starter for the Patriots and look damn good doing it. And so, you know, that's one of those things where, yes, of course, the level of uh, the level of play and the level of competition certainly can even out a little bit. But I love the fact, and you mentioned it, the fact that he can't. And by the way, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to come in day one and start. Like, I really don't know if he is. And Trey Lance might be able to because of all the things that you said about him calling his own protection and him being, you know, understanding the game 
so well to that level that he might be able to come in and start day one. And I'll say this too, you know, you, you talk about starts. Yeah, Trey Lance started 17 games. How many games has Mac Jones started? 17 games. Right. And so why do some things apply to certain wide receivers and not or to certain quarterbacks and not the other? Uh, I'm not here to put down Mac Jones. I do think he is a hell of a quarterback. But the ceiling, it's not nearly there. And whenever people say, oh, Trey Lance isn't pro ready. Really? How many snaps has Mac Jones taken under center? Because guess what he's going to be doing for the 49ers? And if your concern is, okay, who's going to be ready for the NFL? The 49ers are not the Cincinnati Bengals. We're, we still got Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not starting a rookie week one. I, I don't right. think that should be the plan. We have a Super Bowl caliber roster, at least definitely playoff caliber at, at bare minimum, if, some, if two people stay healthy this year. Then I think that you're able to do the transition plan very similar to what Kansas City Chiefs did. It's much more Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes than it is Joe Burrow. Um, and I don't think the Jets are really in that place either. I think the Jets, for example, you know, they traded away Sam Darnold uh, just yesterday. They're going, they're they're building, they're rebuilding. You can tell what they did through free agency or the lack thereof. They understand this is a several year progression. Uh, 49ers are not in that ball that ballpark. And you mentioned it, right? Um, the Sam Darnold trade, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that relates to the Patriots a lot. Uh, one because. You know, we'll, we'll get into the trade-up scenarios and, and the opportunity potentially for a Patriots to get, you know, one of those top five guys. Uh, that obviously uh, speaks to what, what the Panthers did yesterday with Darnold. Uh, but you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that's a, obviously a subject here in New England. It has been really since the start of the offseason. And, and personally, I've been on the record saying if they can't go up and trade and get a Justin Fields, I'll do everything they can to go get Jimmy and, and bring him back. And and after the Darnold deal, what do you go for? A six this year and a, and a future two and a four? Uh, for next year, somewhere along those lines that obviously the Niners aren't getting, and you can ask for what you want, right? Like they want the first round pick that came out from Mike Giardi and NFL network. That was never going to happen. Obviously you're going to ask higher than what you can. Um, but what, what is, what is their plan with him? Right? Because obviously you have the cap hit. I think it's 24 and a half million. Um, certainly, you know, I, I watched the press conference. They seem committed to him at least for, for the 2021 season, but how does that preclude to Jimmy? Right, because he he's a quarterback who's gonna have a number three pick breathing down his neck. Niners could be eight zero, and he's playing pretty good football. Fans, the NFL, everyone's gonna want to see that number three pick, whoever it is. What does this mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? Is there an op? Is there potentially could he be moved either draft weekend, right after the draft, depending on who they get? I think it's way easier to move him now. But it's not in the best interest of the 2021 49ers. If you remember all of the rumors back and forth, which who, who knows what how to take this, but when supposedly plan A for the Patriots was Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The 49ers, why in the hell would you trade him at that time when you had no backup option? You're sitting at 12, not guaranteed to get that pick. Well, now it's a little bit more feasible, but everybody else has moved on. Right, everybody else got rejected by the hot chick, and they picked up their plan B, plan C to go to the dance. Nobody wants to be alone, those are there now. So, the teams that possibly could have landed Jimmy Garoppolo, New England Patriots included, now you got Cam. Now you got five million dollar cap hit with Cam. I don't think any team would want to plan and go into a 2021 year with Cam Newton and Jimmy Garoppolo. What the hell? How are you going to install an offense? Who gets what? How does that benefit? So if I'm Bill Belichick or John Lynch in the 49ers, that ship has sailed for this year. Jimmy Garoppolo has a no trade call this year as well. So he can say no. 
He, he's going to start week one for the 49ers unless there's a huge deal. I think there's a few teams that would be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, but it just doesn't make sense anymore. So what I see, Ryan, the 49ers roll with Jimmy Garoppolo. If he stays healthy, he starts out. If he starts to you know suck or whatever around bye week, then you make the switch. But 2022, uh, last year on his contract, and no trade clause next year. 49ers can ship him wherever the hell they want, and there's going to be way more quarterback-needy teams next year than there are currently. I think it's you guys, maybe, even though I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo makes a lot of sense for you. Denver, you could throw in there. Chicago, New Orleans. But again, they've got a bunch of one-year deals with the stopgap quarterbacks. Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, um, you know, Taysom Hill, that contract is straight up bananas. <laughs> That's a one-year deal guaranteed. I have yeah. more chance to be quarterback next year for the Saints than he does. <laughs> um, but I think next year, the the if, if Jimmy just plays adequately, next year I think you'll be able to get a lot more for him. Yeah, and what do you think, you know, baseline kind of he just has a similar season to what he had this year he ends up you know sitting on the bench the back half of the season what do you think the most likely destination for jimmy would be oh it's next new england season? new england yeah. as long as you guys don't get your quarterback this year and so i hate to tell you this i'm rooting against you guys in the draft um like if you guys do not, not get a quarterback this year hey man you can get a stud michael parsons <laughs> he might fall baby uh, <laughs> but if if you if the patriots do not get a quarterback i'm telling you right now it's in the cards and if cam struggles you're talking about a bi-week trade deadline deal that would take place very similar to that halloween trade jimmy garoppolo to san francisco yep. you just reverse the damn thing um if cam doesn't pan out if jimmy garoppolo struggles whatever i, I just think it makes too much sense uh yeah. I, I really think there's a legit a real legit chance of that taking place well and you know you said it with the no trade clause i think at this point with jimmy g he has the no trade clause and so anywhere he goes no one's paying him that money no one's paying him that money to stay and so Sam Frank can look at it and say, well, we're, you know, ideally, yeah, he'll start. And maybe he won't play the whole season, but he'll start similar to what Alex Smith did the first year. Now he played, you know, 15 of the 16 games, but like, right. okay, if we have to bench him with a few games left, sure, we bench him with a few games left. But the idea, uh-oh, is that me? Uh, say he's going radioactive, man. You're making too good about points. that. The, but the, uh, the idea is that, you know, okay, you get traded to the Patriots. Then the Patriots say, well, we want you to take a, take a cap hit, to take a hit on you. He's like, I'm not doing that. So I'll just I'll just reject the trade, right? So, but next year he can't do that, and so can't I think that. that that's a huge piece of that as well because no one's paying that contract except for San Francisco, San Francisco who already has him under contract. You don't really have a choice, you know. So, so I think that that no trade clause really affects things and changes things. And so I think you're right. Like it, it makes more. The more you think about it, the more it does make sense. And then next year, like you said, that's when you move him. And look what happened to Alex Smith, right? You just say, hey, look. Look at this the contract that Alex Smith got from Washington. Now he tore his leg apart, so like it didn't work out, obviously. But like, you know, he got a contract from from Washington the next year. So you play this one year under us, you, you have a good year, and then you go, you know, we go trade you somewhere else and you get you go get a contract somewhere else. You know, it just it makes sense and it works for every party involved. And I think there's just so many parallels between those two teams. And whenever you look at kind of what the entire, you know, they got a third. So if you look at Alex Smith. The Chiefs got a third and Kendall Fuller for Alex Smith. Now, I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo will get more. You know, this is under the presupposition, I think, as, as you said, uh, Keegan, that, you know, he, he has a similar year 
right? So if that's the case, I don't think a first round pick, a future first round pick is out of the question because again, the 49ers aren't desperate. John Lynch even said in the press conference where they announced the trade up to three, the very first thing they did is they went to ownership and they said, look, we want to trade all this draft capital to three, but under the condition, we also keep Jimmy's cap where it is because we want both. The only thing that has hurt the 49ers in two out of the last three years is Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. That, that's it. You remember when Jimmy stepped in, he started those last five games, went 5-0, and oh, and we beat three playoff teams. I mean, we, we were the talk of the NFL going into the offseason. Then we go out, Jimmy tears his ACL, season done. And so what this coaching staff seems to be doing in the front office is saying, look, even if Jimmy gets hurt, screw it. We're still marching forward. We will not lose another season because of quarterback injury. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I want to talk about, obviously, this comment here. If you can't see it on the, obviously, if you're not looking visually, it's, you know, also Fields and Lance could benefit from sitting on the bench for some games. I think that helps. That uh, relates to both the Patriots and the Niners. Uh, for In terms of the Patriots, if they are to move up and get a Lance of Fields, um, I think that Cam Newton deal makes the most sense. Keegan, you've been on the record saying Lance, Cam Lance 2021, right? Like that's the best situation. Um, you know, t- say what you want. We've said it all the time. Say what you want about Cam's play. Uh, but if you want to learn about how to be a professional and play the position and and, and be a role model and a leader, that is and a play perfect the, guy to play uh, the position that way. Yeah, I, there's I, a very specific way that those two play quarterback and it's, you know, they fit together. So I think yeah. that's where the cam deal makes a lot of sense, right? You, you go out, you have that big free agency. I say it all the time. They had these guys locked up. John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, Aguilar, born from multi-year deals. I don't think they're signing those contracts if you know with Cam Newton on a one-year deal, right? There's got to be something else up their sleeve. So say they do get a Fields or a Lance, say they trade up to seven or, or get in that range to get one of them, it makes so much sense, right? You can... You can have them come in, learn the offense, kind of a, an easy year one. Cam's got the card until if things go south or, or they're ready to go, best man wins and, and you play the guy. But I think Justin Fields, Trey Lance sitting behind a Cam Newton for 2021 is the best case scenario for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And, you know, it, whom, whomever these two quarterbacks go to, and really any quarterback, if you look at the NFL – it is so much more beneficial to the development of these quarterbacks to sit. I'm not talking about a whole year. That that I think that's out of those days are past. But if you look at quarterbacks, even Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker uh, Baker sat for a couple games. The people that are having success are the ones that can sit behind and wait. Justin Herbert, right? It comes out Lamar Jackson, whatever else. Sit for a while. It's a transition. It doesn't matter if you're in the SEC, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, or the Big the Big Ten. It doesn't matter. Sit and learn. And Cam, as you said, uh, I think that that would be a perfect place for him to go. Uh, either one of those two guys, because you need to sit and chill and learn. Um, I, I just I think it's huge. And sticking with those two guys, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, both of them sat in college. Right, Justin Fields goes to Georgia and loses the job, then transfers. He was out two years watching. You look at Trey Lance. Um, he graduated early, enrolled a year early, then sat out his redshirt freshman his redshirt year, and then started his redshirt freshman year. So both of them have already kind of been through that and had immediate success when they got behind center. Yeah, yeah. and you talked about the the 49ers not being desperate. They they've got, I mean, Jimmy G's a hell of a backup plan at the quarterback position. Um, so when you talk about moving him and kind of the future of the 49ers, um, he's probably not in their long-term plans, 
they're going to find a desperate team, whether that's the Patriots or not. You know, I think it's a 50-50 shot of the Patriots being desperate after this season. I don't think any of us have any idea what they're going to do at the end of the month, but what are some of those desperate teams that you think will throw a little bit extra to try to get somebody maybe for a push this year or kind of when they have no idea what's going to be going on in 2022? Cause I have a team like Pittsburgh that I think about, you know, so what's another team like that that you think about? Well, before we move off of New England, I will say this, you talk about being desperate. Because if you look at the roster that the Patriots have, it's prime for go get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you guys missing? A number two linebacker? Like, <laughs> right. that's it? Um, I, I really do think that you guys are the prime one, but you got to see how Cam pans out. Maybe Cam balls out because now he's surrounded. It, it was barren last year, man. Right. Uh, but teams that I think make the most sense. The Denver Broncos. Uh, definitely. John Elway is a Hall of Famer and legit whatever else. He sucks at picking quarterbacks. He goes after the biggest, tallest, strongest arm guy. It hasn't worked out. I think he's 0 for 5 at quarterbacks. Um, and they desperately want a quarterback. I think they would prefer to go through the draft. But like I said, you guys jump up and pass them. And one of these other teams, whether it be the Lions or Carolina, still takes a quarterback in this draft. Denver's going to be <laughs> – they're going to be struggling big time. So I could see them – uh, making that trade there. Um, the Jets eh, kind of still make a little bit of sense, even if you do, for reasons that I said um, with the 49ers. Do you want to start Zach Wilson week one? That's a terrible roster. We talk about like NFL draft bust. We know there's a 50% success rate with quarterbacks. I don't think it's based on the quarterbacks most of the time. I think it's best on the damn team. And whoever goes to play for the New York Jets – Sorry, that's the 32nd spot I would put a quarterback to be successful. Um, they have nothing. So and, maybe they and they're playing the Patriots twice, the Bills twice, and Brian Flores' defense twice. That's that is not good. It's a recipe for disaster for a rookie yeah. quarterback. Zach Wilson, I mean, that's where he's going. But golly, man, I really hope they bring somebody in and just say, look, dude, just wait a couple of weeks because he's going to get trashed. He had one of the best offensive lines at BYU. He is going to get destroyed, um, which I hate to see. I I don't like to root against people, period. Now, another team, Carolina, you know, they traded for Sam Darnold. Again, you're talking about – Great spot for him. It's awesome. That surrounding cast and everything is perfect, but what if it doesn't work out? If it doesn't work out, they're back on the, you know, they were the most aggressive team for a quarterback. I still have no clue why the hell uh, uh, the Lions didn't pick um, <laughs> them yeah. to trade that number eight spot. They offered number eight for Matt Stafford, and they said, no, we're good. We'll take Jared Goff in 2029 first rounder. Um, I still don't understand that, but <laughs> it's foolish. whatever. It is. It's interesting. And, and it's an interesting point. And I will say um, about the Jimmy, I had a, uh, I just had something and I lost it. Um, but I, I do think the Jimmy G conversation is interesting to kind of figure out what's going on. Oh, um, nope, Spags go. I, I lost it. I, <laughs> no, I, I'll I, I wanted to I'll talk about so, figure it so out. now talking draft um, because I think. Oh, that's what it was. I got it. Go Spags, ahead. you nailed go. it. Thank you, sir. Go. So number four, right, Atlanta. So let's get back to the draft. Like Spag said, number four at Atlanta, right? Now, I if I'm if I'm the GM of Atlanta, right? I, I put my GM hat on. If I'm Atlanta, I'm drafting a quarterback at number four. However, Matthew, uh, not Matthew, Adam Schefter came out today and said that that the Falcons are shopping the pick. Okay. 
what that tells me is number one, they don't have a legitimate offer yet. So they're trying to drum up interest. And number two, they don't really want to take a quarterback at number four. Those, those are the two things that it tells me. Now, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but like I looked at that and said, okay, well, so they don't have an offer yet. So they're trying to like, they're trying to get people bidding against each other when there's no real bids. Right. And also that they're not taking a quarterback, which I think is interesting. Um, but I'm curious as to, you know, we talk about panic plays, right? Does Bill panic and move up to four? Does someone else, does the, the, do, uh, the Broncos panic and move up to four, right? Does Washington be like, screw it. We'll throw everything in and, and trade up to four. Right. So that's what I'm curious about. Do you think Atlanta? Well, I guess the question is, do you, do you, are you sold on Atlanta not going QB? And do you think it, another team's going to trade up to four? I, this is weird to me. Because the 49ers tried, they went after picks five and four initially. And, you know, you can look at the context of the NFL, and it kind of is very, very telling. Because you could have traded up to six. Miami traded from 12, the original 49ers spot, to six. 49ers could have done that easily. Instead of three, right. you're just giving up two first-rounders. That's fine. So that, that tells you, one, the 49ers really like somebody in the top three. Two, it, it lets you know four and five are a little bit more difficult. And I think they're a little bit more difficult for a few reasons. One, Atlanta, I think Justin Fields, if for some reason the 49ers don't go him, he's a freaking hometown kid yeah. raised just a few miles away from you know Fulton County Stadium. Uh, well, they don't play there anymore. Sorry, but uh, the stadium there, I forget the name of it. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, whatever. I think it's the Benz one. There we go. Um, but I think that that's a good spot. I think that now Arizona wants to trade out because Carolina got their quarterback. The whole time, those division rival things, right? We're, we're not trading this pick because we don't want somebody to give this to our division rival and them get a top-tier quarterback. Now they got Sam Darnold. They're wiping their brow. All right, guys, come on. We're ready to jump out of here because it kind of protects them in their division. Um, now, what would it cost for the Patriots to jump that high? It's going to cost a 49ers-type deal. Um, I mean, if it costs that much from 12 to 3, from 15 to 4 <sighs> – it's a waste draft. Usually, I've said, yeah, I said from the start that the, the Dolphins have played quarterback gatekeeper the entire time. Right now they're at six again. So they're, they they right. set the price to what it was to get the three, and they're chilling at six saying we're not we're obviously not moving this pick to, to New England, and they're probably not moving it again. I, they could – I mean, they real, realistically could draft night, right? Like move back a few slots. Somebody like Denver wants to go up and give them you know, even more picks, but they're playing quarterback gatekeeper. It's like, okay, you want to get up. This is the price, and we're sitting right here at six, and you can't get past this again. And I don't think the Bengals will touch that pick. They're stuck there. Um, and I think they want to stay there. Early on, everybody was like, oh, it's going to be Panay Sewell. Nope. That's going to be Kyle Pitts, baby. I'm Pitts telling you right Chase, now. Yeah. It's, it's going to be Pitts or Chase. I think it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Um, this wide receiver draft class is so stupid deep. You look at last year, it was stupid deep. You look at next year, it's going to be even worse. Um, so there's one anomaly uh, outside of the quarterback position in this year's draft, and it's Kyle Pitts. I don't have another second round grade on a tight end this year. It's Kyle Pitts than nothing else. Um, so, you know, you talk about economics of scarcity and stuff. If that's the case, I just think it makes too much sense. So I think the Bengals are sitting there at five. I don't think they budge. So back to your question, Pat, it's four or else. Right. Because like you said, Miami's not trading you. You get to seven. You know, and now you're starting to talk about Detroit. They could go quarterback. There's no doubt. They have the draft capital in the future where if they do keep, you know, Jared Goff, that's fine. You team him up with one of these quarterbacks. You got multiple first rounders next two years. They could do that. Carolina, will they not draft one of these quarterbacks that they were high on just because of Sam Darnold? They could walk away from that contract right after next year. I don't think they will. 
But Matt Rule's number one philosophy in football coaching is get the supreme physical talented athlete and then coach them into what you want it to be. If Trey Lance or Justin Fields are there, good God, are you kidding me? That fits yeah. it to a T. If you want a quarterback, you got to go to four. Um, I, I, just, I, I can't find another way around it. I, I just can't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think the only caveat to that is unless you like the fifth guy, but that's that's one of those things where you got to wait till draft night. There's no, oh, this guy's going to be available at five. No one knows who the fifth guy is, you know, just in how these teams evaluate quarterbacks. So it's it's one of those things. You have to wait till draft night and kind of work from there. But like you said, four is the only spot where you can guarantee yourself at least a, a minute, tiny little bit of a shot at your guy. That's the yeah. only spot that you can do it. And I think you would, would want to wait until you see who goes at three. Right. Why, you know, if you have, if you're in love with Mac Jones, which I don't think anybody is, or if you're in love with Fields or Lance, if that guy goes at three, then you say, all right, deal's off. I think you call Atlanta and say, look, we're comfortable with this. If our guy's there, let us know. If somebody else gives you something we can't beat and we'll talk, but this is kind of where we're at. We'll see what's on the clock. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, especially Patriots wise too. I mean, it's gonna be difficult. I, I you know, Spag said it like they're primed right now, and you said too like they have no they have no real glaring holes. It's just the quarterback position. And again, even if you believe that Cam is the answer, which if you listen to our podcast, you know that we're not totally sold on that. At least two two thirds of us aren't totally sold on that right now. I'm here now, baby. Uh, <laughs> we're all aboard the Cam train. So, but um, but even if you believe that he's the guy, he's on a one year deal, right? So it's like. You, you know, this is your setup for the future and you're talking about a one year deal. So uh, let's get to 15, though. Let's just let's say Patriots don't move up for whatever reason. The quarterbacks go say all five quarterbacks go before 15. If all five quarterbacks go before 15, that means there's going to be a ton of extra talent that's sitting on the board. I'm not I'm still not 100 percent sold that Mac Jones is going to go before 15. But nevertheless, let's pretend that he does. Okay. Who do they take at 15? And then my other question to you is, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots trade back simply because they don't have a pick between 46 and 96. Same thing happened last year when they were at 23 and 87. They traded back and picked up two two picks in between there. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move back and pick up another pick in between uh, that 46-96 gap. Who's there at 15 that you think they can target? And then is there a guy where other teams are going to be maybe not clamoring to come up, but be like, we have to go up and get that guy. And we'd be looking at it saying, you know, we need to go up and and we'll trade you an extra second round pick or whatever the case may be. One of my favorite things about Belichick, and it's a love-hate relationship, one-sided, of course, with me and Belichick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But he sets his board, a very Parcellsian type understanding. I have 15, let's just say 15. 15 first-round grades this year, or let's say 14. It'll work better. We have 14 first-round grades. I know there's 32 picks in the first round. You don't always attribute that many uh, guys. Just So So I have 21 first-round grades so far uh, for this year's class. So let's say you have those 14 first-round grades, but all of them are gone by the time you're at 15. Bill Belichick is notorious. I'm trading back. I don't care who's left. I'm just going to get whatever I can, more darts, whatever else. Now, if you're sitting there at 15, and these are the people that I think fit perfectly what it is you want to do. I I think at the top of the list, it would be Micah Parsons. 
uh, linebacker Penn State. He just, oh my gosh, uh, he's if he was an edge rusher, he would have yeah. a first round grade. I was gonna say he's two. He plays at two forty six. Like you can you can throw him on a tackle, and he's gonna yeah. do well. And you can put him in the middle. You can play him off ball. Anything. That guy's a chess piece. I think those off field issues, man. I would. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he gets taken before fifteen. To be honest, because of the off field stuff. And if you want to read into that, it's it's some pretty messed up stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, but Belichick doesn't care about those things. Or okay. at least he, let me say it this way. Let me phrase it this way. He feels confident if he understands the context that he can control the narrative and the situation to put a player in, in whatever. I think right. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, you summed it yeah. up. Yeah. Yep. Um, so having said that, there's two limitations. Off field, two, coverage linebacker. You never see him play anything outside his zone. You don't see him play man. Th- those are some things he's going to work on. But the athletic profile says that's there. Now, if, if we're not going with Micah Parsons or he's gone – I love two offensive linemen and two wide receivers. Let's talk to old linemen that just seem to fit so damn perfectly. Rashawn Slater is a top 10 player for me. I have him ahead of Penny Sewell. And he's one of those guys similar to Isaiah Wynn. You could start at guard. He could start center. He could start tackle. His player profile is almost identical to Tristan Wirfs last year coming out of Iowa. I love Rashawn Slater. Uh, you go back and you watch his tape versus uh, Chase, Chase Young. Young. Yeah. He shut him down, pancaked him four times in that game. Um, I freaking I, – I was I was going bananas. I watched it over and over again. Um, he's he's incredible. Another guy, Elijah Vera Tucker, another undersized, very high IQ, young, uh, you know, 20 years old, and he could play all the spots again as well. I think that's the versatility at the offensive line. I think those two guys, whoever gets them, they're going to get a freaking super high draft score for me which nobody cares about two wide receivers, the Alabama guys, you have to tie Nick Saban and Belichick together. There's just so much there. Um, I think and nobody, wide... nobody selected more Alabama guys than Belichick. nobody has. Deservedly it, so. I mean, obviously you guys in Baltimore, I swear to God, man, you guys just freaking uh, Alabama, 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 <laughs> Washington's creeping up there with those defensive linemen. They've, they've got about true. four yep. in the past six years. True. And funny, the 49ers is the exact opposite. They picked Reuben Foster, and they're like, screw Alabama. We don't want to touch it. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the quote, but Nick Saban just came out on the radio and said, I was standing right next to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch the whole time during the pro day. I even said hi to him twice. They didn't say anything to me. <laughs> like, they do not like him. They have been very public about how he misled them with Reuben Foster. And so, yeah, take that for whatever. Yeah. But uh, if either one of the Alabama wide receivers fall, I don't think you're done at wide receiver. I know that you have depth, but this is one, one of the of positions guys, you've struggled at. But uh, one of them will fall. This draft class is banana, bananas when you look at the wide receiver. So I think somebody's going to fall. And you guys could just sit there. If somebody falls, awesome. If not, trade back. Yep. And I, I think you hit hit the nail on the head with tackle because I think that's a spot they could go to. But I want to talk about this question here from Tyler Florio. Would a cornerback like Horn or Sertain make more sense at 15? They could trade Gilmore or Jackson. I think corner is also an interesting route they could go at 15, right? Because you look at the two tackle spots. Isaiah Wynn, uh, they have yet to pick up his fifth-year option technically on a one-year deal this year. Trent Brown also on a one-year deal. When you look at the two corner spots, J.C. Jackson, obviously a restricted free agent, has a second-round tender on him. Stephon Gilmore, there's little rumblings out there about potential contract extension. But right now, corner and tackle, your two top spots, yep. you only you only have locked up through this year. So I think if you have an opportunity to get a guy like J.C. Horn, uh, a guy like Patrick Sertain, I don't see him falling outside the top 12. I, I, yeah, like Cowboys or, or even Denver if they don't land a quarterback. 
Uh, I love a guy like Caleb Farley. I know he's slipping down boards, obviously the back injury and hasn't played much football. But when you look at his tape, even though it's a small sample size, that, ball hawk, he, he has the tracking skills. Uh, yeah. So I think corner, if you're going to sit at 15 and you have a chance, you'll definitely have a chance at one of those three guys, probably not certain, but definitely a Farley. I think possibly a JC Horn. I think that's a route they go to. I think that makes a lot of sense. John, yeah. before, before you go, I don't mean to cut you off, but the, the fifth round uh, option deadline, because I looked it up the other day, May is 2nd? May 3rd. May 3rd, yeah. right. So it's not until after the draft. So theoretically, the Patriots could be sitting there waiting, saying, if one of those guys drops to us, we'll take Rashawn Slater at 15 and then not pick up that 50-year option. Or if we don't get a guy, then we'll pick up. And they may not be waiting, right? They might do it next week. Who knows? But that could be a reason. So. Anyway, yeah, and for them, just real quick, there's no reason to take it before the deadline to to pick it up right. or to decline it, whatever. There's zero value to doing it before the deadline, so they'll wait until the last possible second, like they always do. Yeah, and, and I think that you're going to pick it up anyway. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you pick it up. Like the, the 49ers, We are the same with Mike McGlinchey, who you know is amazing run blocker, huge passing game liability. You're picking up the option. You get a ten million dollar tackle that's young you pick it up but to those corners man I, i'm with you so caleb farley he is my number three player on my big board yeah, i've got a red flag i, I love him i love I him too i wouldn't touch him um i i i'm the president of the damn fan club and i would not draft this guy in the first round i would is not it because of the, the medicals is it the lack of play so a couple things you were right about the ball hawk the ceiling play is just stupid wide receiver he's he's only played corner for two years yeah um he, he came to virginia tech and played wide receiver during spring ball then switched uh the tape that we have on him he's super super young and he's, he's so damn good but the problem is this he started having back problems during 2019 and played through them took the full year off and then Right before Pro Day Circuit says, you know what, I got to go in and get some more work done. After a full year's rest, um, it's just it, it's just too much. There's going to be people, I would be willing to say probably 20 teams in the NFL will remove him completely from their board. Now, it's, it only takes one, um, but I, I just can't see it. I cannot see it. Uh, how you would wait, I don't want to say waste, um, use a first round pick on a guy like that. I just don't know. Um, whoever gets him, I'm going to be watching his career. Uh, he, he's a hell of a player. But you talk about Sertan and J.C. Horn. Both those guys are great. Again, the Alabama connection, I think he'll be gone. I think he's going to be the first corner off the board. But J.C. Horn, if you run a cover three scheme like the 49ers do or so many different teams, J.C. Horn is a better corner than Patrick Sertan. The one weakness in his film, Sertan's film at Alabama, is the deep ball. That's it. Uh, you let that guy play close to the line of scrimmage or even cut off, you know, with a cover two scheme or something along those lines, you're talking Pro Bowl level corner first couple of years. It's just that one flaw in his game that I saw. Amazing run support, Alabama coached by Nick Saban, clean, started as a true freshman, whatever else. He's a plug-and-play guy. The ceiling, however, is higher for J.C. Horn. Um, that dude is physical. You, if you want to watch one game to love J.C. Horn, go watch South Carolina versus Florida, and him and Kyle Pitts are throwing each other on the ground, jawing at each other's face. What the play? It's a running play to the left side. They're on the right side fighting it out, man. I mean, it's just two alpha males going at it, and it is fun as hell to watch. Yeah, I, I don't think this is gonna you know help me at all by saying this, but his physical profile is Stephon Gilmore. The way he plays football, yep. his size, Carolina all guy. of it. Yep. Yeah, and it's so it's like 
why wouldn't you want to get this guy in your building, have him learn beside Gilmore for a year? If if he's here, if not, then you just have him kind of take over that role. And he, he fits perfectly into the Patriots defense. So that's the guy, you know, if you're talking about 15, if they have to make a pick there, they pick up wins option, let's say, that's the guy that they, they have to be targeting him. I think he's the number one guy at that spot for them. And if for some reason y'all punt the cornerback position, stay with South Carolina, the opposite side of J.C. Horn, Israel Mukuamu, uh, 6'3", 205 uh, corner on the opposite side. Again, physical as hell, plays all over the place, very similar uh, to kind of a, uh, what's it called, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, what he did for South Carolina. He played safety, linebacker, nickel, outside corner. He does it all. I think he's another good fit for you guys as well. Yeah, later on, because he's not a man. He's not. He wouldn't play corner here because his man coverage skills isn't great, aren't great. But you're right. You can kind of throw him around all over the field, and uh, and kind of we know we know how much the Patriots value versatility on the defense, yep. right? Yeah, so, we've seen that a ton in the past two years. They're just drafting athletes and kind of throwing them on the field and letting them learn as they go. Right, yep. and that's what the NFL's become. I, I really think that's what the NFL's become. Is that it's almost. It's almost, it's not quite like basketball where it's positionless, but it kind of almost is where it's like you have a few guys that do some specific things that so you have the lockdown corners, you have some guys that do different things, but like, then it's like, okay, just give me really good athletes that can play in space and, you know, make plays all over the field and give me five of those or six of those guys to play on defense. And then we just throw them out there, you know, and, and see what happens. So you're, it, you're uh, seeing it on both sides. A guy like Anthony Schwartz, who doesn't know how to play wide receiver, is going to get drafted in the top four rounds just because he's the fastest guy in the field. Right. Yeah, four two two something like like yeah. Four, two, he six. he was like a junior Olympian. The guy's stupid yeah, fast. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Guys like that didn't work out before, right? Who's the guy that uh, that played for the Patriots that went to Florida? Uh, Will Chad Jackson? No, 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 not that guy. Jesus Christ! No, the guy who was the <laughs> who was the don't don't talk about Jeff. that guy. Jeff Demps, Demps, right? Jeff Demps. That's a guy oh, who was like man, an actual Olympian, right? And and he just, you know, couldn't play couldn't play football, but he was fast as hell, but he just couldn't play. But now it's like those speed guys are like, yeah, just throw him a quick bubble screen and see what happens, you know? So it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. John, this has been so much fun, man. Really appreciate having you on. Like I said, we go way back. And uh and I, I appreciate you coming on. You guys are having great success over there at the 49ers Rush Podcast. Obviously, it was a Patriots podcast. I don't know how many people are gonna be listening to that, but the content over there, man. You guys are crushing it. You guys are crushing hey, it. So up until draft night, it it the, the two teams relate with Jimmy right. with the quarterback. That's right. it, it, there's there's a there's real correlation between the two teams. Learn, learn about that's Sam usually Brandon, my man. plug. Like just listen to us till the draft. After the draft, unsubscribe. But till <laughs> till the draft, it's just draft talk. Uh, right. So, yeah, if you want to check us out, head over there. And on Twitter, probably best place to follow me just because all I do is put up clips. I'm a big film kind yes. of guy. All I Use do is your put stuff up for my threads. I've, I've used a couple of it. It's good. I stuff. appreciate that. That's awesome, yeah. man. But yeah, yeah. Uh, at JL underscore Chapman and make fun of me as much as possible. It kind of feeds my soul or where it should be anyway. So <laughs> not just that, but what I love about you is that you're not only throwing up clips, you're also throwing up clips and breaking it down during the clip. Right. Which is great. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of times you see the clip and, you know, and I, I don't, I'm terrible at putting clips up and do it. You know, Keegan and Ryan do a great job of it too. But like, but a lot of times, like, okay, hey, I saw this happen or whatever. Hey, this is what's going on. But you're, like, actually on it saying, hey, this is what's happening here. Watch him make this play and watch him do this. And, and so you get pretty in-depth with it. So it's really uh, – he's a great follow on Twitter for those of you that aren't already doing it. If you want to get if you want to get some in-depth knowledge of these college guys coming out, you know, it's, it's a great resource. It's a lot of hard work that goes into it. If yeah. you follow him for anything, the hard work. I tried it, and I was like, nope, not doing this. I'm just going to type out my analysis. <laughs> 
<laughs> I appreciate it. And then it, just mute me after the draft. That's all I got to say. So when the draft's going on, that, that you, we'll, be, we'll be buddies. And then yep. afterwards, it's, you know, I understand where I go. <laughs> <laughs> just don't forget to unmute before the draft next year. That's all, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, thanks, John. We really appreciate it, man. Have a great night, all right? Pleasure. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.